0: Welcome, welcome again to another rendition of WTF Interviews. My name is Sir Royce Spialis, and I'm with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Raheem Young. How's it going, brother?
1: Everything's good, man. How things are you already? Ah,
0: man, no complaints, man. Just turn my AC on. It's getting a little hot in here. Can't be in here sweating, man. I don't like that. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Also, we're pleased to announce a special guest. We have uh, General Parker on the line. How's it going?
2: Oh, it's wonderful to be here.
0: Yes, sir. Thanks. Thanks for jumping on. Yeah, so uh, if you could tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, uh, how many kids you got, uh, what are their ages, and uh, and also what do you do uh, professionally?
2: Well, professionally, I don't do nothing at all. And I normally don't get up till like 2 in the afternoon before I start doing that. So, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> not you. I used to be a a boiler maker by trade, and uh, I've been retired now through disability for about seven or eight years now. So, uh, see, I got two biological children. Uh, I've raised, like, at least seven other children, and they still call me dad, you know, so, uh, and the kids call me dad. Their grandfather, G Daddy. So, uh, if you count all them, I got thirty-three grandchildren. But if you just go by my biological children, I only got seven, (laughs) seven grandchildren. So, uh, and I got a great grandson now. So, oh wow! Okay, congratulations.
1: How how old is
2: he? He is. He's about one and a half now, one and a half years old. So his name's Kingston. He's in Detroit, Michigan. So uh Yep. Yeah. Looks just like his G Daddy too. <laughs> Handsome little old devil.
1: That's cool. That's cool. So how um how has the transition been for you as far as like being a dad, being a granddad, being a great granddad? How's that?
2: Oh uh, man, it's it's, it's kind of rough on me because I I have uh I've had the police come in my house and and illegally steal my children my biological children from me both of my son and my and my daughter my daughter's the oldest my son is 21 he just turned 21 last month he's the baby and my daughter my biological daughter she was born in 83. So she's going to be what 38 this year, uh, in November, November 10th. And, um, uh, it, it's just crazy how uh, the state assisted kidnapping goes on, and you basically can't do anything about it. What's worse is I'm mad at myself because I keep picking women who <laughs> like to use this system to do kind of things. So, so, uh, it's been kind of rough on me because. Not being able to see your kids and uh, and your grandkids, at least my grandkids have reached out to me. You know they want to have a, a relationship with me and be a mm-hmm. part of my life. So uh, that makes it rough, you know, when you you have children who've been poisoned by a mother who practices parental alienation, and they live with that poison in their in their mind and emotionally for years. So it makes me even more angry because it's not just me that's being affected and being hurt It's the hurt and the anguish that I got to see my kids go through and suffer, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, short of killing their mother, what else can you do? You know, cause you don't have a system that's, that's even remotely sympathetic with you because this is how they make their money. You know, this is how they keep this system going and keep their power and their control. So they're not going to relinquish that and try to do right by you.
0: So your biological kids are, are pretty much grown
2: now, right? Yeah, so, yeah, both of them are now.
0: Yeah. So have you talked to them like since they've been adults? Like, What what type of conversations
2: have you had? Well, the last time I talked to my son was about a year and a half ago, and he called me up on the phone early in the morning, getting very smart and very disrespectful, calling me out of my name, and uh, then tried to explain that, uh, uh, well, he just gets so frustrated, and I had to let him know. I don't care how frustrated he gets. Uh, he better always respect me. I don't care what he thinks or what, what he was told. You're going to respect me or else, you know, so we haven't talked since. But it's funny because I'm still paying child support for him. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. So when he's 21, and he's on Instagram. And, and Twitter bragging about all this money he makes and he can teach people how to uh, invest their money in, uh, in the stock market and that's where he makes his money at and, and, and a lot of his money comes from marketing and stuff like that but the judge still feels that uh, uh I haven't proven to him that my, my, my child is self-sufficient so they keep trying to make well they ain't trying, they're still making me pay child support to them, they're taking it out of my on my retirement income. So it's
1: tough. Why did how do you pay child support for a 21
2: year old? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Well I guess Missouri has a a law that says (laughs) that as long as your your child is in school, you gotta keep paying no matter how long he goes. So Hmm. uh, I went to court well I filed last year. For some reason they took all this time to try to Give me a hearing, I think it was back in May. And the, I'm telling the judge, I said, Well, also, that law says, you know, her, him and his mother have to provide me with transcripts and his grades and stuff. And I don't have anything. I don't even know if he's in school. She hasn't proven anything. And the courts didn't make her produce any transcripts or anything. They just told me, Well, I haven't proven to them him that uh my son is self-sufficient so uh he kept the child support going.
1: Hmm. How's your relationship with their mom? I know you were saying like you picked like the wrong type of women. How how was you all's relationship?
2: Uh it was uh these are two different mothers now. So okay. Uh it. When it when things were good, they were good. But when they were rocky, they were rocky. It's like you know, you 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 put up with what I'm putting down, or else you know, or oh, I'll get the police, or I'll put you in the system, or whatever. And uh, and that's what I've had to deal with. So, hmm. well, I'm not going to put up with the infidelity. I'm not going to put up with the disrespect. So it was time for me to leave. And uh, they felt like, no, you don't go nowhere. You this is is their mentality, you know, so I don't I I don't know, maybe me being an Aries or something, I guess certain signs, zodiac signs, I can't (laughs) cope with, but uh, uh, they they definitely gain the system, so
1: What were their signs? Your two
2: uh, One was a cancer Well, I think they both were, well one one was birthday was in late May the other one was in July, so yeah, no, they were. They were both both cancers. See, right? Taurus, I
0: guess
2: uh, no, no. it depends on the day. day. Yeah.
1: Like Gemini and Cancer.
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you
0: this: um, What was your relationship like with your dad? Like how uh, how close
2: were you to him? Oh, we're not close at all. As a matter of fact, my my father is interfering with my relationship with my son, and has helped my my ex <laughs> to keep him from me. You know, uh, his excuse was, well, he was just trying to keep my son in the family. But uh, how are you keeping my son in the family? But you helping her keep him from me? What makes you think you got more right to my son than I do? You know, I don't understand that. So. Uh, I I don't. He and I w- were off and on for a lot of a lot of the years. He and my mom uh broke up when I was about eight or nine years old. But I always had that love for my dad at the time because uh like w- w- Jay Z say, you know, he was my Superman. You know, I even ran away from my mother when I was about thirteen years old to go live with him. You know, but she came and got me and took me back. You know, and uh uh. <sighs> I just, my relationship with him, and never, never really been what it should have been or could have been. So, but we haven't spoken in years now. Nah, I think the betrayal with helping her to keep my son from me. <laughs> uh, Yeah, that, that was the icing on the cake. So.
0: Hmm.
1: So. Um, I know that you do like a lot of work with like father advocacy and different stuff like that. Could you talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah. Um, ever since I've been fighting for my son, you know, cause I never would give up and that's one of the main reasons the courts didn't like me because I had that pit bull mentality. Uh, no matter what they threw at me, I just kept fighting. I kept fighting. I spent my last dollar. I, I, I exhausted every, option I could you know and I just kept fighting and uh I mean I even took my case all the way up to the Supreme Court but they refused to hear it because it wasn't controversial enough for them so they say but um, uh, uh in fighting for my son uh I uh got in touch with this group called Dads in Divorce through a law firm called Cordell & Cordell that supposedly supposed to be there to help fathers. And it's another organization like Jeffrey Levine up in Chicago. He, he claims the same thing, but a lot of these organizations, they just ended to get your money because so you spend tens of thousands of dollars and even upwards of 100000 and you still end up with no more than you would have done if you had fought your case yourself. I come to find out. So uh, uh, through them... I answered a, an ad uh, about, I forgot what it was at the time, but this guy called me back. His name was Mark Rosenthal, and they were part of a group called uh, Radar, respecting accuracy in domestic abuse reporting, because my uh, my son's mother, she had made a false claim of abuse. So that's another good uh trick that they use to try to gain advantage in custody battles you know they they all they have to do is just make the accusation it's just like with the me too movement now you ain't got to go to court you ain't got to really uh press charges or anything you just make the accusation and you can ruin a man's life career family and everything else so uh uh and i know a lot of people may not want to agree with what i'm saying but i'm standing by what i say so uh (laughs) that's exactly (laughs) what has happened, and through them, I started working with them, and then they started a committee called uh, 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 African Americans for Violence Reform. And we used to go to DC and lobby to try to get the Violence Against Women's Act reformed uh, because there's a lot of uh, inconsistencies in there that that violated your constitutional rights that that. That the equity wasn't there, the parity wasn't there. And uh, it took us a lot of years, you know, but they starting to make a few changes. Even one year, we even held it, held uh, a vowel up, being reauthorized. But uh, it was when I had to go speak back in 2008 for African Americans for vowel reform back in Charleston, West Virginia. I had to speak at a, uh, I was a keynote speaker at a dinner there uh, dealing with false accusations of abuse and talking about violence. what needs to be changed and i met a guy named mike mccormick and he has worked with alec baldwin and a couple of other lawyers he was one of the guys that helped get Elian gonzalez back with his father oh, wow. uh, yeah he's been on uh larry king with alec baldwin he was on the view with them uh and he's like a brother to me now, you know. Even though we don't share the same color and we from different mothers, he's just like a brother to me. But uh, he he informed me that he had an affiliate group of his uh ACFC, which is American Children Coalition of Fathers and Children. Uh, it had one in Illinois called Illinois Fathers that was just starting up. So he wanted me to get in touch with them, but they ended up contacting me asking me to be their first keynote speaker at their uh, fatherless day rally in springfield so before i even got to that to be able to do that they asked me to be on their board so i was a vice president on the board so we did a lot of act activism and advocacy uh, there was a young guy who had got killed trying his name was stephen watkins going to visit his daughter because His ex had made allegations about he was abusing the daughter and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. The judge finally found out that she had been lying and said, you go get your child. So he went over there to get his child and uh, they shot him in the back of the head, his ex's family. And we did a lot of advocacy behind that because they lied. And I don't know what happened. The sheriff didn't do their job. They didn't do their work. So we rallied all of of our people. We got on the radio. we had people calling the prosecutor's office uh, until they finally decided to press charges, you know. And and his whole case was on, uh, uh, what's that show that comes on uh, NBC? Uh, what is it, Primetime or something like that? Oh, like Dateline or something? Yeah, it was on Dateline. That's oh. it. Dateline. And uh, so we finally got that case uh, to go to move through the system, and the grandmother ended up getting convicted of shooting him. And we still think it was his ex that shot him in the back of the head, but the grandmother was saying that she's the one that shot him. You know because he came in the house and he pushed her and she was scared and all that. But uh, he was shot in the back of the head, you know. And and they had called the police and the ambulance for them to come out, and that well they called the ambulance first the ambulance came out for the grandmother and they said while they're sitting there talking to the grandmother we're gonna hurt it happen to see the dead body laying over there to the side with blood running out his head and everything they didn't even call for the boy you know (laughs) so the ambulance had to call the police and so we finally was able to get her uh convicted of that she got 55 years behind that so uh uh then we even got a, a a bill passed in his name you know i spoke to his mother mike mccormick and i spoke to his mother and dad in springfield and uh we finally were able to we got permission to be able to get his name put on the bill and it took us about two years but we finally got that bill passed in 2012 and uh so it's still today it's a visitation interference bill and it 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 Basically, has the same sanctions that uh, being non-compliant with with child support, uh, you get your driver's license taken. I mean, the women's group they really came out against this man, and we had the American Bar Association, the Secretary of State, all of them tried to fight us on this, but we ended up being victorious after a couple of years. It kind of got a little watered down from what we we basically wanted, but. Uh, we're still making strides, and and we also were able here in Illinois to be able to get a uh, a bill passed that if your driver's license were suspended for non-payment of child support, uh, you can get your license back. So, so there's no more uh, suspending your license for non-payment of child support in Illinois. So.
1: So that's some of the things that I've been on.
2: And, and also, first right of refusal. Like, if the mother wants to go somewhere and go hang out or go out of town or do whatever, instead of calling the babysitter and all that, uh, it, the, the father, well, I ain't going to say the father, we're going to say the non custodial parent has a first right of refusal. You call them up and see if they would want to spend that time with the child first before you can give that child out to somebody else. So. Mm-hmm.
1: That's pretty yeah, good, so, man.
0: That's yeah, great, man. So you you've yeah. um, been a part of a lot of uh change so far when it comes to your fatherhood advocacy. Well,
2: um, What I feel Ab, uh because that that has started me into the criminal justice reform advocacy that I do and I and I'm going to write a book about. It. I keep saying I'm doing it, but I'm starting on it, you know. And it's called All Roads Lead to Slavery, you know. And it has a lot to do with What's going on with the fatherhood movement? And it's about men, period. It's all basically about this control and free and cheap labor. That's all it's been about all along. So, and if they can get women who get very emotional and they want to be vindictive and they they can use the system to gain them, they, they they they'll use those women, okay? And the women have no problem trying to have that control over their ex. You know, they love to have that control. So they don't care nothing about being right or wrong. They don't care about the detriment it can cause to that father uh, or, or the detriment that it caused to the children. They don't even care about that. All they care about is getting back or getting money or or both. So,
1: mm-hmm. Okay, so let's say I was um, I was into it with the mother of my child and she's giving me a hard time or whatever and like we're going back and forth to court what are some steps that i should take in that instance or what should i do to like better my case
2: uh i mean there's a lot of different variables in there are, are you guys living together are you married you know there's it's a lot of things that that, that take into consideration there because if you're married the first thing you don't do is leave the house you know a lot of guys they, they always leave the house a lot of guys they always well, you know, that's the mother of my child. I don't want to be mean. I don't want to do this. I don't want to get them in trouble. But you'll see very quickly that, that when the shoe's on the other foot, they can care less about the trouble you get in. They can care less about you got anywhere to stay. They can care. Because they have a whole system behind these women. And sometimes the women, I'm going to be honest with you, some, some women don't even want to do some of the things, but because the system is set up the way that it is, that you have people from the Domestic Violence Coalition—they—they'll tell them to say, "Well, if you don't do this, then we're gonna start taking steps to, to take your children away from you." Hmm. I've had people who have uh, that I know personally. This has happened to you know. Uh,
1: so like if you don't if you don't put a man on child support, they'll try to take the kids away. Something like that. If you
2: don't put them on child support, if you don't file a false allegations of abuse against them and all that, because see, they get money. The, the more number of claims that, of abuse that goes in, see that mm-hmm. that gives them more money from the Violence Against Women's Act. See, and the judges get money, more money for training. <laughs> you know, uh, the police department, the the the, the education. They, I mean, the more, they get all this money coming into them for all these claims that are made. If it's a woman, they don't get not one dime. If it's a man that that makes abuse, uh. uh abuse claims or, or violence, domestic violence claims. It's only for the women. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn that, you know, and uh, because it was my ex suit they were the ones who were violent towards me. But the police didn't care. Uh, they would show up and they let her run off and take off and they wouldn't do anything and uh, let her make a false allegation of abuse. And it's like a federal case against me, you know, and I had to come to court to prove my innocence. And that's exactly what I had to do. I mean, they took my my son and I, you know, I mean, I can show you the pictures, the videos and all. I mean, we we were like freaking frack, you know. I mean, I would leave to go to work, and all I would do is think about my son, you know. And the minute I get home, I told you I was a boilermaker. I just had to travel to go to work. I mean, from the time he was born to the time she and I broke up, he always went out of town with me she would never even call the check on him i had friends i had family members my sisters all them they would say well hey uh what's wrong with this chick how come she don't ever call the check on him you know and i would get on her about it but she could care less you know all she was concerned about was the money and she was never concerned about my son you know it was all about the money for her you know a lot of my friends would say well i don't understand how a mother could let a baby that small." take off and go to out of town, you know, and they not be concerned, you know. I mean, he was like one years old, two years old, you know, up until he was like three. So that's when we broke up. We were married in 2000, about two weeks before we were born. We got married and we broke up in 2003. He hadn't even turned three yet. So, uh, but. Yeah. courts
0: care less, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it sounds like uh, you, you still are going through that with the courts, you
2: know. Uh, yeah, after 20 years, you know, yeah. that whole thing. We're we going we gonna to show this nigga, you know. Excuse my French, but I even had to just tell me, you think I'm going to let, after all, all the years of schooling I've been through, you you think I'm going to let somebody with a GED, some some black man come in here and show me up? So that was their whole thing. (laughs) It had nothing to do with truth. It had nothing to do with justice. It had nothing to do with fairness or equity. It had to do with what they can get away with. That's how our courts are set up, whether it's civil or criminal. And I think civil courts are even worse than the criminal courts.
1: Yeah. So how, how can we fix the system? Like, what's the first step in that process?
2: I'm going to be honest with you, it, it's just like with our political systems. I think they can't be fixed. They have to be totally demolished and mm. built from the ground up.
1: So it's one of the things where they work and just <laughs> they, they're working. They're uh, doing what
2: they're what they're made to do. Current, exactly. Exactly. Mm. Okay. exactly. Like so many times they talk about our criminal justice system is broken. No, it's not broken. It's working just how, how I was yeah. Set up to do, <laughs> you know. I mean, even this country, I mean, how you talk about all men are created equal, but at the same time, you talk talking about black people are only three-fifths of a person. We all created equal, but you want to go over overseas, grab a whole group of people, bring them here to do your work for you, but you keep calling us lazy. But you went to another continent, got us to come here to pick your cotton, you know, to cut your tobacco. But we're the ones who's lazy, see. Just like today when they say this about black men, they're lazy. They don't want to work. They keep making all these babies. They don't take care of them and all that. But there's been Harvard studies. There's been a University of, of Chicago study that shows that that's not true. Us black men are the most nurturing of all races. Yeah. Now this is not me talking. This is coming from their studies, or their research, but that's not what the media is going to show you.
0: Yeah,
2: that's uh, part
0: of the reason why we started doing what we're doing. Uh, people that we've interviewed so far, just the just the stories. Like a lot of black men uh, that we talk to, they uh, speak to how much they're in their kids' lives, and that type of thing isn't portrayed or put out there. It's always he's a deadbeat. He's not there. He's not in the home. And uh, my, my vantage point, that's not the case.
2: That's far from it. And, I mean, I, I know guys, I don't care if they got to sell weed, sell drugs on the side, do whatever, you know. that the, this The society is set up not to work them in the first place, you know. And and if they do, then they're supposed to look down on the other black men, you know, and stuff like that. But these men are still there. You know, they're putting their kids to sleep, they're helping them do their homework, they're giving them baths. And when they get the money, they give the women money, you know, but it might have been under the table or whatever. Even if you were working and you give them money, if you don't give it through the system, whatever well, was just considered a gift. So that don't count. You still owe the child support. <laughs> right. So
0: even if you got documentation
2: that you. Right. Pay. Even if you got well, it didn't come through us, so that don't count. That's just a gift. Wow. Anything I give my child is in support of my child, you know. And I give a friend a gift, okay? Right. I don't know gifts, you know. Uh I'm not Santa Claus. I take care of my children. So
0: you also spoke about um other kids that you helped raise. Uh can you talk about that a little more? So uh like how how did that come about?
2: Well, uh it's just like when whenever whoever I'm dating or whoever I'm with, you know, uh I'm the man in that situation. So if they had kids to who were there before I was there, you know, I'm still gonna be that man. Um when I lived in California, it was two women I dated. One of them her son ended up growing up be become part of Digital Underground, you know. The group Digital Underground. And then he started working with Snoop Dogg and doing some stuff on the side and stuff like that. Another uh young lady I dated, well her son grew up and became part of the group B2K, you know. And uh and it, these these kids they grew up and they still had that love and that respect and that admiration for me. They always felt like I've always been the one that was there to to offer that that protection and that sense of security. And, and teach them about responsibility, you know, and and I have fun with them, too. I I love playing with my kids, you know, and joking around, and they love that much about me. So, uh, I mean, even all these years later, you know, I'm still in a part of their lives, and they look at me as that man, whether their dad was there or not, you know, they still look at me as that man, so. You
0: know, what does what those experiences kind of taught you about yourself?
2: It taught me that I I ain't as bad as some people try to make me out to be, (laughs) you know, you know, I I probably ain't as good as I think I am, but I definitely ain't as bad as some people try to portray me to be. So, uh, but, you know, I I try to look at myself realistically, but uh, no matter what society says, uh, as long as I'm being that person and doing the right things for the people that matter, that's all that counts. And when it, it not even kids that I've, I've I've sired can grow up all these years later and, and talk about the man that I am and and they learn from me and they do things and they're achieving in life because of the things that i taught them and shown them and the love that I gave them. You know, that's all that matters. I hate that my own kids couldn't experience it. I don't know, maybe they didn't think that I fought hard enough, or where did I go, or whatever, I don't know. But short of killing their mothers, uh, I, I had to leave, you know, so. <laughs> so I, I try to stick things out, and, and I'm telling you, if if I give up, once I give up, that's it. But you better believe I tried everything. I mm-hmm. tried everything, and I went through everything. But it was just time for me to go, so.
1: You know, that that's what I was going to ask you, man, like, you know fighting the system for twenty years like you um and you haven't given up, you still like fighting the system right, How, right. have you had those times where you was like, man, forget
2: this shit I'm you know I'm all, the time, all the time all the time okay, all the time man man i i I think so much uh man. I guess if it wasn't for other people in my life from time to time telling me to hang in there, you know, or trying to show me some love, or or I think it's just the thought that if I do go ahead and give up, I'm scared of what might happen to my kids, you know. So is that that's really the thing that keeps me going is is the fear of where they'll end up, what'll happen if – uh If I'm not around, so I just keep fighting anyway. I've got a lot of life that I wish I had lived, but uh, anyway, (laughs) This, this, this country wasn't made for black fathers anyway, so I gotta do the best I can for my kids and still try to make a difference so they don't have to go through the same stuff you and I are going through today. Yeah, it sounds
0: like uh, you still made an impact. Not just uh, you know on uh, your kids, uh, the other kids that even, aren't even yours. So you know, uh, you know, I would say uh, take solace in that that you you made a difference. I
2: and think it's, I really it's really not, made you know. an impact on my kids. I just think for whatever reason, because of the poison that was put in their, their head, you know yeah. that they they're not allowed to express it because out of fear that they're letting their, their mother down if they show any any type of love towards me or, or they believe me or whatever, I, I, I think that's what it's really about is the fear of what, what they feel their relationship will be with their mom if they went ahead on and uh, started having any type of relationship with me. So my daughter even told me one time, this was a few years back, she, she had texted me and she finally told me, she said, you know, uh, I don't, I, I, I love you and I've always loved you, you know. She said, I don't want to know about whatever happened in the past, you know. And I texted her back, I said, you know, we can't do nothing about the past anyway. The most I can do is start from today and make sure from today on, you know, that we had the best life that we could have, you know. But I've never stopped loving you or fighting for you either. So." but i don't know what happened in between there she just kind of fell off again you know but her sister <laughs> loved me uh, her kids loved me they, they they would call me contact me all the time especially when they get in trouble they i would go get her her, her kids and this is my stepdaughter go get her and her kids we go hang out go get hotel rooms they get to get in the pool we'll take them shopping, go do all kind of stuff to have fun with them and then my my biological daughter, <laughs> all her kids just can't wait to get with my stepdaughter kids to find out the stories and all the stuff they did with G Daddy. You know, it's just crazy. <laughs> yeah.
0: So well, my next, uh, go ahead. No, yeah. you can go ahead. Uh, well, um, my next well, it's not really a uh, question. You kind of already answered the question already, but uh. I asked you uh, before we started this call, uh, what does fatherhood mean to you? And uh, General, you said real simple, the world, point blank,
2: like real, real simple, to the point. Uh, Definitely, it, fatherhood, fatherhood means the world to me. Uh, what what it means to this world, especially in this country, is something totally different. <laughs> so, but as long as I keep thinking fatherhood is the world to me, is it? Like I said earlier, you know, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what the system believes. It doesn't matter what other people believe, you know, and, you know, to hell with them. You know, uh, my children know who I am. Other children know who I am, you know, uh, even those I didn't raise, you know, they would just see me with my kids, you know, my nieces and my nephews. and As <laughs> you get a kick, I used to go to the daycare to see my little niece and nephew and then all the other kids. They, they couldn't wait to get, they all was calling me Uncle G, you know, and they all climbed in my lap. They all want to spend time with me. A couple of them even cried. I didn't even know the kids, but they just get so happy seeing me all the time. They start crying when I had to leave, you know, and that just touched my heart, you know. So I know I'm a good guy, so I just don't take a lot of stuff, you know. So people don't like that, you know. They, they want you to conform. <laughs> They want you to conform to to their way of living and what they want, and this system is the same way. You know, I even had people from the county of Peoria, from the board, that made a statement one time talking about that general, he, he he's non-conforming. I told them that's the best thing they could have ever said about me. It's a compliment. There you go. <laughs> All
1: right, so, Mr. Parker, I know we're getting close to time, but I, I have one last question for you. Sure. If you could give advice to like a young dad, um, what what would it be?
2: Don't become one. Until <laughs> <laughs> we change this world and this system, unless you're ready for a lot of heartache, you know, and and a lot of sleepless nights and, and a lot of uh, angry feelings, you know, and, and and disappointments and betrayal. Uh, don't become one, you know. But if you can deal with it, you know, then Hey, if you can stand it, I can understand it. But I'm I'm letting you know now, the way this society is set up, if we haven't changed this system yet, become the dad is the worst thing you want to do right now. Because it ain't easy.
1: No, it's not.
2: not. If
0: you don't plan on staying with her forever, don't do it.
2: Sometimes even if you
0: do stay. <laughs> this is a double-edged sword huh? oh man <laughs> so, yeah. alright well General again I appreciate you for your time for your candor um,
1: yeah, thank
0: before, you. we, before we let you go um, if somebody wants to get in contact with you to support your initiatives uh, how would they
2: be able to get in contact with you they can reach me I, I'm the president of Central Illinois all of us are none and they can either go to the website, all of org, and or they can call me uh, or email me at uh, I'm gonna give you my personal email address. It's a lot simpler. gparker326 at gmail.com. Again, it's gparker326 at gmail.com and uh, my phone number is 309-713-6025. That's my personal cell phone number. And I answer all my calls. So if I can help you, I'll help you. That's just the kind of guy I am. Sometimes almost to my detriment. If I can't help you, at least I respect you enough to let you know I can't help you. If I know somebody who can help you, i refer you to the resources where you can go to get the help. So, but uh I definitely won't leave you standing. So... Yeah, that sounds good.
0: You got something else, Dr. Young?
1: No, nah, that last question was it, uh, but thank you, uh, Mr. Parker. We appreciate you coming on with us tonight.
2: Oh, it really was my pleasure.
0: All right, yeah, so again, for, for myself, Sir Royce Brialis, for Dr. Raheem Young, and also for our special guest, General Parker, thanks again for listening to WTF interviews and stay tuned for further announcements. Don't hang up, General Parker. You got to We gotta wrap it up, we're gonna wrap for a second. (laughs) Okay.